Knock, knock. Come in. No. Wait. Knock, knock. Oh, Johnny, yeah, come in. I, we got a ring doorbell. We can see the video. It's, we know it's you. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll come in then. Are the knock-knock jokes dead? How do we... How do we do knock-knock jokes now? Seems impossible. This week is fully dedicated to comedy. It's one of my favorite things. It's why I try to make people laugh and fail week after week on here. And I have the utmost respect for people who can write jokes out of thin air and then go on stage and do this vulnerable thing where you have no idea if people are going to laugh, but you just want to try. And it's the coolest thing. Stand-up comedy to me is like the ultimate art form. Uh, and I don't think it gets enough respect, and I take in a ton of it, and I watch a ton of it, and I was so happy that my friend Katie Orchard, who is a stand-up comic in San Diego, wanted to come on and do this, uh, because we went deep into the weeds, talking about all things comedy, trying to get off the ground yourself, famous comedians that we like, the process, the crowds, there's so much that we talked about. I do want to just get into it, so I won't be long with this, but... Check out her Instagram. The links are in the description. Follow her. Follow me at the link underscore podcast for more stuff that I'll share of hers throughout the week. And uh, yeah, let's just do it. Here we go. All right, Katie, thank you for coming. This is so fun to like reconnect after forever. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We went to high school together. We went to elementary school together. I think together. we went to, yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we've known each other probably since kindergarten. Oh, that's like, I just had to do math like, in my head way to find back. out how long it was. Yeah, that's how long it is. 27 years? Wow. Well, you're better at math than I am, but yeah, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. You are a stand-up comedian now. I am. You're living on the West Coast. I, yeah, I've been in San Diego almost 10 years. Wow. I love San Diego. I've been doing comedy seriously for three years and I started back in 2015, but I didn't really take it seriously until like three years ago. I have a lot of questions. We're going to skip all around, but that sparked one of them. What does not taking it seriously mean versus now taking it seriously? Yeah, I think when I first started um, doing stand-up, I, I've always really loved stand-up. Like for my 13th birthday, my parents got me tickets to see Kevin James Sweat and the Small Stuff. Like I've been a big stand-up fan Great special. my entire life. Yeah. And um, that was the first time I saw like live comedy too. And it was like this great experience. So I've always loved it. And finally, I was just in a point in my life where, you know, you go through a breakup or something happens and you're like, fuck everything. I'm just going to do something that makes me happy. I was like kind of in the scene. I didn't really commit a lot of time to writing. I didn't really commit to like being a regular at open mics. And then I had to get like a second job and life kind of got in the way. And then uh, I told a joke in front of like a big group of people and I forgot what getting a laugh feels like. And I was like, oh, this is just what I should do. So I just started doing it again and have been like really serious and haven't stopped. And I love it. I love that. It's like you needed the tiniest bit of validation to go. Yeah, I just got to do it. And then yeah, something wanna... clicked at some point. Yeah. Well, this is so funny because we haven't really talked since high school. I know. And I feel like everyone was very nice to me in high school, but I didn't like have a lot of close friends. Like I see everyone on social media being like, hey, friends for like 15 years. I'm like, yeah. oh, that must be cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so this is going to be quite quite a story for for all the, the Gardner's Avenue and, you know, high school. Mustangs. 
yeah. people. I went to my ex-husband's funeral. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, I'm so sorry. I didn't know any of this. No, we don't know that much about each other. So I, this is going to be like, saying. I know on so the much record. has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that moment of like, we were all like stepping up to say something about sure. him. And I went up and immediately cracked a joke and it lightened the room. And like, I got to make all these people in this like really sad spot laugh. And it meant so much that I was just like, oh, this is what I need to get back to doing. So if anyone doesn't like my comedy, you can blame my dead ex-husband. It's <laughs> fault. <laughs> so. I have so many things to say. You literally just yeah. did it. I was almost, I wasn't crying. My eyes started going there and then you turned it and made a joke out of it. And I laughed. Yeah. You just literally proved the thing that you're saying, which is really funny. I think that's a language that some, you either have or you don't. Uh, you're better at it because you've honed your craft and written and done it on stage and all that kind of stuff. But I do think just comedy in general is this other vibe that it, it yeah. doesn't matter what you're saying. It doesn't necessarily even matter how you're saying it. It's more important that you're connecting with the person that you're doing it to through this weird comedy wavelength. Yeah, it's comedy is definitely one of those things where the more specific you are is also the more like relatable in general that you can be to like groups of people. But the joke was sparked because my ex's brother-in-law went up to say, you know, when he was going to marry my ex's sister, he asked for marriage advice. And my ex said, well, I made that mistake twice. I don't know why you're doing it. Good mm -hmm. luck. <laughs> and so I went up, I said, hi, I'm the second mistake. It's nice to- Right off the top, and just get like, it out of the way. Yeah, just tried to like crack a couple things. And it just felt good to like provide that for people. And then when it really like clicked and I really got on a roll after that, I had gone through another really rough breakup and it was, I was just in a like sad place and I was just trying not to cry on stage, which is tragic at an open mic when no one's listening, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but it gets better. I had um, a, like a veteran in the scene, like somebody who's like really funny in the scene come up to me and say, you have something, but you're getting like super dark and cut that shit out. You just, if you take that and then bring them somewhere, just mm. make sure like you can go dark, just bring them somewhere. And then it's fine. And then because like somebody gave me the time of day and it just, I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I could do that. And I just started writing and things got better, like exponentially. And then I kind of like took that and ran with it. So now three years later, things are going really well. It sounds like you've had a, a bunch I'm of- I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Well, it sounds like you've had a bunch of these light bulb moments, which yeah. is very cool. And also what you're describing to me because I love comedy also. I take in a ton of it. I'm big on comedy podcasts, which goes behind the scene of the stand-up, but I also love the specials. I like to go see it live if it ever exists again, which it's starting to, thank God. And it feels like you're describing a lot of stand-up comedians' origin story. There has to be this vulnerable, dark side to it that you're letting out on the stage through the funny thing. I guess not for everyone, but it's a theme that runs through stand-up comedy, I think. Yeah, I think, well, my like general philosophy on stand-up is when we laugh together, it's because like, especially at like a punchline, it's because we all know what the right thing to say or do in that moment is. And I didn't do that. Right. But we all know that we're all on the same page that this is the wrong thing. And that's why it's funny. So comedy does stem from a lot of morals and a lot of experience with good versus bad. Mm. So I think that's why so many people like come from like, sad tragic points or like used trauma to like really fuel comedy because they know like wow that was really the wrong thing to happen <laughs> so right so we all know what the right thing is 
but that the person who gave you this advice is right because it still all comes from the same place. It's just you have to do the misdirection part. You can't just have yeah. it be dark because then what? Now we're just all sad. But if yeah, you, I, if, yeah. If you do the the misdirect where you start with the sad thing and then it ends up making people laugh, it's funnier than if it was just laugh all the time because you have this. Here's where the train is going, and then it goes off the rails, and it's much better because you didn't expect yeah. it to be coming. Yeah. I listened to the set that you sent to me, and I really liked it. It Thank was good. You, you have a Thanks. really good cadence. I can tell you've like worked on it, and maybe that's what you're talking about, where before that didn't exist, and you were just relying on the material, maybe or something. But I can tell that you're hitting the beats when they need to be hit. I don't want to give away your bits, but I I liked the the dust one was funny. <laughs> yeah, I could tell yeah, that. Yeah. So. It's, it's funny because a lot of people I grew up with, like the one thing they really remember about me is like my mom, which is great. She's a wonderful lady, for sure. um, but she is very old. <laughs> so <laughs> for those who don't know, um, I'm the accident child by 20 years. So I think part of the reason why I like comedy is because the only way siblings who are 20 years older than you pay attention to you is if you can like make them laugh. Totally. Because not a chance are you going to be as smart as them, as skilled as them. Because you're just, if you're seven and your brother's like, you know, 20, 25 or 30 years yeah. old, like the only way to like gain respect is like getting a laugh. You have to steal the but spotlight I've, somehow. Yeah. So I tried real hard <laughs> all my life. <laughs> yeah, but, it works. Yeah. So yeah, my mom's, my mom's uh, quite old. She is 75. So she was 45 when I was born. So I developed a dust allergy in the womb. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it, I love that bit. It's so quick and I love quick hitters, you know, everyone gets it. There's no, there's no setup. And I was amazed because it was a five minute set, I guess you probably did six, but it was like right around there. And uh, that's so hard to me. It's crazy to try to get up there and in five minutes, I couldn't even start the thing. I feel like we've been rolling for 20 minutes and I haven't even started. How do you even manage to get there? And you did, and it hit, and I liked the closer and then you were gone and it was like, that was great. And it's this funny, I guess, I don't know how to frame this question, but- He said I'm funny, that's the end of the story. (laughs) That's it. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. No, um, (laughs) how long is the longest set you've done, I guess? And do you normally do five minutes? And do you have more material than five minutes or are you just honing it down to this one thing? And now I've asked you a thousand questions. So say whatever you want. No, I got it. I I, I got this one. Before the quarantine, I was doing 15 minutes. It was a 15 minute spot that I could hold my own when I was hosting. And it wasn't, you know, top tier at all. I was, you know, two years in at that point, seriously. That's the longest I've done. It's like a 15 minute set where like I was proud of myself. I got the crowd. I hosted really well. So that was good. But then the quarantine happened. And that is like a whole nother story of what happened in San Diego comedy, which I'd love to talk about. We are going. But nice. So when the quarantine happened, it was it it basically put a reset on every single person's comedy. So I think I only used like maybe one or two jokes from before the quarantine. So in the last year, this is like my new set. I can do like seven, eight good minutes. I can definitely stretch to 10, but like eight, I'm very comfortable with right now. And You're I'm building. Like trying You're to- building a new. Yeah. Um, but it's 15 cool. minutes I, is I, a long time, by the way. 15 minutes is a really long time. That's, I mean, anyone thinks, yeah, 15 minutes, who cares? There's a spotlight on you. You're the only one talking and it's forever. I would imagine getting through <laughs> one joke feels like it's a lifetime. I've never done it, but it, from how it looks, it's like, 
you can't even imagine how people do hours or whatever it is. 15 minutes is crazy long to me. So bravo for even having a Thank you. 15 minutes set. Yeah. I do want to circle back into COVID stuff. Yeah. Because wild. you looked sharp from what I can tell. So how long have you been back doing sets live? So a lot of comics have really taken so much time off and it has been a detriment to a lot of comics like mental health and material and just skill set and practice and all that stuff. But um, what happened in San Diego was about a month into the quarantine, I want to say it was like April 17th, a big group of us, because we had a, we have a very dense comedy scene out here and mm. uh, like a small group of us, maybe like 25, 30 people got together and they connected an FM transmitter to one of their cars and a microphone. And then everyone basically sat in their cars in like a target parking lot Love and it. they tuned in. And that's how we started doing comedy. And we just needed to write and just be heard. So we just made a scene for ourselves. You did pirate radio comedy, basically. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. If you were in a half mile radius, radius and like tuned into the right station, like you would have heard us being Amazing. very, <laughs> very wild and ridiculous. But you're getting it I out. Mean, you're, you're going, you're doing the thing. You're staying in it at least, as opposed to some people who are just like blank slates after a year and a half of not doing anything. Yeah. It, I mean, I saw such an improvement in my stage presence and comedy over the last year, because not only did we just have to make each other laugh for a while, we went from parking lot to parking lot and then the parking lot mics were built into shows called drive up comedy right which still go on today it's big like you know a couple hundred people can show up to this big drive up but i photograph um i'm a photographer out here and i photograph for a comedy club who has really tried to like every moment hold on to comedy and that included going out onto the sidewalk of downtown san diego and doing a lot of street shows which means you're competing against a lot of homeless people and car sirens and hoping you're not doing something illegal in front of the police or waiting at the stop sign tough competition but it's it's really distracting so you really have to know your material you have to be confident in your material you have to know how to like riff off whatever is going on next to you because guaranteed someone's going to interrupt you no matter how short of a set you're doing so it's you know Thankfully, oh, wow. we're back inside on stage. Couple things. Where is this club and what is it? Just so we can give the plug that 30 people are here. Sure. So um, I photograph for the American Comedy Company in downtown San Diego. Um, I do get hired every now and then to do other shows, uh, but that's like my home club right now. And they've been great. That's been... a popular club, right? I see the pictures yeah. on social. It looks awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we get great headliners. And it's what what's really cool is because I've, I basically, they had a photographer and at the beginning of the pandemic, when they opened back up, I noticed he wasn't there. And I was like, Hey, I see he's not here anymore. Like, let me do the photographs. So I've been photographing for them for over a year now, just to get into the club. And was see that your headliners. foot in the door? So, yep. Okay. Cool. I had, I had uh, done like the open mics and stuff there. Um, I'd never been booked on a show there before the pandemic and just basically volunteered and put in the work and helped wherever I could to make sure it stays up and running. What's cool is I'm getting to see all these headliners come through and feature acts and open acts. Like we have great comics come through of all levels and they're all basically restarting their set. So oh, I've gotten wow. to see like these opening and feature comics get bumped up to headlining spots because they were the ones willing to do the shows and then watch them bring notes onto stage, refigure out the material, refigure out how to do their job. And it's cool because I know in a year from now, I'm going to get to see like good specials coming out and I'm going to have seen like where all the jokes started and where they're ending up. 
which is awesome. I think it's no different. It's a perfect allegory for the world right now. Everything is dark for a year and a half, but then on the other side of it, whether it's real or not, everything is going to seem very fresh and new and awesome. Yeah. So there will be this yin and yang to the whole story once it's over, but we're just in the middle of it. So it's hard to see with the whole COVID thing. But I do agree. There's going to be like this onslaught of comedy that is not- Oh, 100%. People want to come back to the clubs. People are going to put out a ton of specials because they're working on all new stuff. And everyone's going to have their own different experience from it. And everyone's going to be trying not to do COVID jokes, probably. (laughs) So- Yeah. Yeah. In the the last couple of weeks, I noticed a significant drop off in COVID jokes. I think everyone's sort of like over it and they don't want to hear about it and they want to move on. They want to know what's in the future. But for a while, it was like everyone had to know what to say about it. Because what else is there? There was nothing else to talk about. But finally, you're like, oh, I have the platform to not talk about this. We might as well do something different. I wonder with coming back from COVID, do you think there was like doom and gloom about the whole comedy world being like, dead for a while. Yeah. And that's very understandable. Yeah. I actually think it's a little bit of nonsense because in reality, it's nonsense. People want to laugh. I feel like, yes, they do. And I think that for a lot of comics who aren't in like major cities, Mm. there wasn't the option to do it. And it it probably felt like they didn't know when it was going to come back. Like many people didn't know about their jobs, you know, like if it was going to come back, if they worked in like service retail, any of that. Especially like New York and LA, they really like had been locked down. Luckily, San Diego has so many outdoor spaces that we just started doing stuff on our own. True. But yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely cool to see everyone come back out. It's everyone's really excited. We're getting a really huge mixed group of people coming out to see live events again. Totally, you're gonna get more uh, new fans than ever before. Yeah, every, and lots of people thank us afterward for like doing the show, which is really That's really cool. sweet and kind. Yeah. Um, one thing I have noticed is a lot of people get kind of chatty during the shows more so than I remember. I think because a lot of people are used to watching stuff on the couch now that, that you sucks. can talk over. It does a little bit. And I'm trying not to like blame them if they're not used to seeing live comedy or live events. And maybe this is just like a, a habit they've gone into. And they, you know, everyone has a chance to learn. They they genuinely might not know. And they nah. genuinely might be assholes who are drunk. Fuck like yeah. it's really, I mean... it's really hit or miss. No, that's bullshit to me. Like, don't go, you wouldn't go to a Broadway play and start talking about whatever the fuck you had for lunch. Stop. This is a, this is an art form. Have the tiniest shred of respect and shut up while I'm trying to do my five minute set and then do whatever the hell you want. Well, that's you, very sweet. You're being- and that's obviously from like a comedy fan. <laughs> is it sweet? <laughs> I just ragged on I, all these people. I, no, it's, I mean, I wish more people had that kind of like viewpoint on it, but I think a lot of people- have like missing pieces of context in their brain for what they're Mm. doing. And that causes a lot of issues that, you know, doesn't benefit them in the long run. You're being politically correct, but I appreciate it. Let's continue on that. Cause I don't know if this is how you view yourself. This is how I view you as a comedian after watching five minutes. So what do I know? But being so cadence driven and having to hit those beats at the right time and having this perfect pause to get the laugh at the right time kind of thing. When someone does do something in the crowd or you want to do a second of improv crowd work kind of thing or acknowledge what they're doing or something, do you have to weigh whether that's worth doing to break the cadence of your actual set versus just powering through and ignoring it? Or do you think, oh, this could be a funny moment that I can try to like get out of my comfort zone and see what happens with this? How do you handle 
whether to decide to go into crowd work or not? It's a learning experience for sure. It's definitely not something that I'm very fluid in. I have a couple moments, like a, there are a couple jokes where I'm using them to work on crowd work, hmm. but you know, if, if like a loud noise happens, my, my default is just like wait it out. I don't come across nice when I try and yell at people. I definitely come to and that works against me. So just knowing how I come across is basically the biggest way I deal with people. So a lot of times I just like get really quiet and just like wait on the audience. And usually that's so jarring the silence that they then start paying attention more. My number one line is like, oh, this isn't interactive. No, thank you. <laughs> just- <laughs> that's good. That's a good one. It's quick. It gets it over with. Um, yeah, that's definitely one way to handle it. And it, it. What I love about comedy is none of the answers you could possibly give me are wrong. Everyone has their own style and someone might do I watched uh, one of my favorite things I watched recently was I think it was Todd Barry did a whole tour just crowd work only I know it's insane the people who are good at it I have so much respect for them because their brain works so quickly to be able to know all that stuff and whether some of it is like lines that they've worked on and they know that they could put in their back pocket like Mm. when it gets really quiet and like a joke doesn't like really hit with the crowd. I usually tell them that like, oh, this feels like a family dinner. I'm very comfortable up here. If you guys don't want to laugh at me, like it's fine. <laughs> right, um, right. So like I have, I, I know I have a handful of those professional comics obviously have a lot of those in their back pocket, but just being able to like improv and find that, that rhythm nat- organically is a little out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I'm, I'm so scared of like true improv. But it's every it's out of everyone. That's the whole idea is that it's out of your comfort zone, I think. And every time you do it, it's got to get a little tiny bit more comfortable, probably, maybe. Yeah, you know, that that moment where you say you say riff and or you like expand on a joke that you didn't prepare for and the line works is like, oh, God, it's one of the best feelings. You're like, I'm a fucking genius. This, because this, it came from your brain. No one talks no... to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you That's didn't be... even prepare. Mark Maron has this great, in uh, Thinky Pain, Mark Maron's got this great bit about uh, when he comes out, he's like, oh, you guys, you didn't want me to prepare. What do you want to talk about? Okay, whatever. And he goes into this bit about, no, see, here's the thing. If I prepare and do bad, I feel bad. But if I don't prepare and kill it, I'm a fucking genius. True. And if I don't prepare and don't do bad, then I didn't prepare. It's fine. Like Totally. Exactly. That's how I would feel about it. Easy for me to say, but- (laughs) I think it's all a building block. The thing that's great about comedy is you're always just trying to sharpen it up and get better. There's no end to it. It's a constant chopping away at the the wood block to get it to where you want it to be. And so even bombing to me seems like, I'm sure it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. And you go home and you're like, I'm never doing this again. But also the next day you got to be like, well, at least now I know what not to do. And how to improve or, or is it that crowd didn't know that, that this was funny, <laughs> you know, like sometimes how do you it is, it? sometimes it is the crowd on Friday. I did two shows. Uh, Josh Potter from the, your mom's house network yeah. was headlining. That is so cool. He's yeah. It's, it's He's awesome. Great. Um, he, his, his 45 is so funny right now. I'm sure, you know, he might talk about it on his podcast. A couple of people walked from his show this weekend, but the Friday, the, the two shows on Friday, it was it was weird. Thursday's crowd was magic. Last night's late night crowd was great. And Friday just they were cold. I don't 
know if they were his fans or they just bought tickets to the live event Mm -hmm. and he's a very like if you know him you're gonna love his comedy if you don't know him it's really hit or miss that's fair um so sometimes it is the crowd it is their responsibility to know that they are coming out to see a comedy show and you know this is where they learn how to be at a comedy show but when you're testing out new stuff at open mic and you bomb um that to me doesn't feel bad anymore because I'm so calloused from bombing so frequently. But that's the, so I'm like, thing. oh no, this is fine. Okay, that doesn't work. Okay, well, that's I'll rewrite that and exactly. come back next week. And the thing is, you got to test it a couple times to make sure it's not the crowd and it's you and like True. test variation. So there's sometimes just a lot of self-destruction going on when you're like, I want this joke to work. Yeah. It's gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep telling you this thing. Yeah, it's this fine line between like being stubborn and then being open to the constructive criticism. And it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same response that you're getting. It's how you internalize it that helps you, I guess, polish the setup and finish it. And that's why people tour their sets for a year before they do a special of any kind. Yeah. So I, my, my ex-husband was a Marine and that is why I'm in San Diego and I just never left because it's gorgeous and awesome. Sure. So I open with material about being like a former Marine wife and I'm happily coming home finally to New York in June. I'm very excited. I'm going to try and see if I can do any comedy out there. We'll we'll see if that works. But I don't know if my military stuff is going to transfer to like a non-military city. San Diego is very military. Interesting. Um, So I'm, I mean, I'm going to try and if it doesn't work, I'm going to be like, okay, well, this is, (laughs) okay. I need to open up more stuff. You got to. Just do it and you'll find out. And then the next time you come yeah. to New York, you'll do different stuff if it doesn't work. And if it does work, then you'll do it everywhere and you won't worry about it. And I feel like there's only one way to find out. Yeah, yeah. But I love being in San Diego. I love the community out here. And I, what a lot of people do in San Diego is every couple of years, like the the top crop of comics will then do the, the migration to LA. Mm. And I think that's the way to do it. If you're interested in stand-up comedy, like get good where you are, where you can get a lot of stage time, then move to like a bigger market because that I think is going to be the way you want to be seen is like when you kind of have something polished already. So when I go to New York and it's going to be my first time performing comedy in New York and I'm just hoping like I don't bomb the entire time, but you know, we'll see. And and even if you did, you did it. It's still cool. You can't. At least I'll it. do my family stuff. My family play. stuff will be fine. It's just and also, <laughs> yeah. you're from here. You are from here. I think yeah. that, that tracks. People know. And so they'll go, well, at least I relate to this or that. Or you do a bagel bit or some shit. I don't know. But like, at yeah. least you can try to get the crowd in into you regardless. And then if you go into the military the stuff, they're like, all right, she came from here. She went to there. I understand. Um, yeah. But that is all. It's there's so much math to it. It's like. It's almost it a is, math problem you know, to try to solve. I don't know if guys feel the same way, but I know that when it comes to me and a few other female comics um, that I perform with, what we wear, how our hair is done, you know, like how, you know, straight we stand up or how like, hunched, like it, the physical appearance is such a key part. So I usually go on stage wearing like the same thing every time because it happened to be the thing that like makes my comedy come across funniest which is crazy it's just like it's it's just a gray sweatshirt with a stain on it and my hair up in a ponytail and that seems to be the thing that helps people like put together the picture of me the best I agree that a lot of comedians will feel that way but do you think that's real or do you think that's just you being more comfortable 100% real 
A hundred percent real. I mean, you have to be comfortable wearing it because it can't be on your mind, but part of performance and part of people like liking whatever you're giving them is the juxtaposition between what it is. That's what makes it interesting. So I, you know, talk about being like a military wife, which has a certain image. And I, you know, talk about how my sister, I love her to death is I am smaller than her in general in a lot of ways. And both of those things, if I wear like a dirty sweatshirt with my hair in a ponytail, you're not seeing my shape that well. Mm. So it doesn't look like I'm like fat shaming or because that's definitely not what I'm doing. And I'm not, you know, making fun of her for anything other than like comedic effect. And also I'm not like trying to be this like pretty girl who's up there just because I want attention. Like I'm almost neutralizing myself. Sure. So you're just focusing on the comedy and I'm just like that kid sister who like can like you know, say something funny when no one's paying attention. But that can change if your material changes, no? Yeah, it it is. And I think that's why a lot of like really dark comics, they like, you can always feel that they're like a good person deep down and that's why it works. But also like when somebody really clean cut does really dirty stuff, it's like the juxtaposition that makes things really interesting. Cause that's what makes it a little bit more unexpected. Totally. I love how you feel about that. I wonder if that's how a lot of comedians feel because then there's also the Jerry Seinfeld who's always I mean a bad example because he's <laughs> you know what I mean but like yeah he's mega famous but he's always wearing the suit no matter what the material is and I guess all his material is similar but then the other side of that is Louis CK I guess another horrible example obviously but it's not that is that is a good both sides of the coin example Jerry definitely wants to I mean he's worked his way up where like when he started the blazer was a way to look professional on stage and that's how you got authority to say like dumb jokes and obviously he's so successful that it makes sense that he wears a suit because his comedy is also so not minimal but he's got that like essence of nothing so the fact that he looks nice is great but louis coming across as like a dirty person like a he's a dark blue comic so the fact that like he just wears like frumpy black t-shirts and jeans it's perfect. makes you like go like, no, that makes sense. And then when he says things where he's just trying to show you, he, it was just fine all along. He's just trying to figure it out. You know, like, you're like, and then oh, it matters so much. And we haven't even gotten into the math of the jokes. This is just how you look on stage. Yeah. I know it, it really does make a difference when somebody comes out and like is dressed too nicely and they come across as mean it doesn't feel like it feels out of balance for what they're supposed to be doing you know yeah and I don't know if the audience consciously clocks any of that but they feel it I think subconsciously they probably do yeah which is why they get that like gut reaction when they like really laugh or really appeal to somebody or they just like don't maybe the comedy's good but a lot of times when people don't connect they go like I guess that was okay but mm." yeah and they don't know why And I just didn't vibe with this person. And you're like, well, that's because you wore a gray t-shirt with stains on it. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Yeah, there's 100% people I've seen where like recently, I know, I I think it was at an open mic. I saw somebody perform and I was like, I hate that that's funny because I don't like them. Like, it's so clear. I was like, they don't give off a good vibe. I don't know what it is, but that joke worked. And I, it makes me mad that his joke worked, you know? Yeah, and then you wonder... Am I thinking that because I'm a comedian and I respect the, the joke? Do Would other people even think that or would they go, fuck this guy? And they don't think about the joke because they don't know what went into writing it and making it funny and sharpening it up and all that kind of stuff. It becomes this like 
psychology test. Whereas yeah. you go into it thinking, I just wanted to make them laugh. I don't know. Um, we talked about a dark material and I haven't seen a ton of your stuff, but I would say it's not crazy dark, but you want to border on some of that. Yeah, I definitely, I'm not, a, I, I don't think I'm a clean comic. Right. Is what it is. That makes sense. I'm not dirty, but I'm not clean. Yeah. And I think that's where m most people probably fall and it works for you. But at what point do you personally, I don't want to get into a whole lot of cancel culture stuff, but like, at what point is dark too dark? And is there ever too dark if the material is funny enough? No, comedy is there to be a, a brightening agent for when things are dark. So the point of comedy isn't to, it's, it's, it's so hard because I understand why people get offended. And it is something that we see with crowds in the last couple of weeks. I have noticed yeah. like the wokeness within crowds. Where like, I'll say something sad that's happened in my life because I've written something funny from it. And right. I want to like connect with people on that. Sure. And they just go like, oh, and I'm like, no, no, it's good. It's fine. There's, there's a joke just in there. It's there. fine. Yeah. And I think a lot of people going back to the morals of it don't understand that like, I know I'm joking. So they're so used to somebody saying something offensive and it being from a truthful standpoint. And they think that that's right. And that's not the wrong thing to say that like, it's, it's hard to like convert to comedy. Is that getting, uh, I mean, obviously it's getting harder with how the world is now. I think that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but continue your question. Well, what I was going to say is, are you willing to sacrifice that one person who's offended by the thing to make the nine out of 10 other people laugh? I mean, most yeah. people don't give a shit. And so you're kind of expecting that one person to show up and you're building it into the act. If you're offended, you're the 10% that's not going to like me in this crowd, but the other nine are going to like me more because you're offended. And that's ridiculous. So I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing a show and uh, one of my good friends who was on the show said, oh, you know, my, my, I brought some friends here that front, you know, my one friend, I think she's really going to like you. Her husband's in the army. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like that should hit. And he's like, yeah, he just died last week. And I was like, why would you tell me that part? Like, why would you tell me that before the show starts? What are we doing? And he's like, he's like, no, it's fine. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that they know what happened yet. They just like found him on the kitchen floor. And I was like, why? Super that's not going to like help me. And I was like, now do I cut the bits about like my dead ex-husband? Like, right, because or do I do like, them? Jeez. Oh, yeah. Especially because it's, you know, the comic was one of my good friends and like, that's so one of his do? good friends. I did it because, you know, that's my job was to do my act. And that was part of my act. And, and it also, is, it does like throw you off. You can't predict how people are going to feel about it because they yeah, might yeah. want to hear the comedy about that to lighten the whole thing. It, some people are into that. Exactly. Yeah. My, um, one of my previous relationships like ended in like a physical fight. Like it was not okay. a good ending. Yeah. It's okay. He was weak. It was very fair fight. But, um, <laughs> When that was happening, I was trying to work out material on that topic of like totally. domestic abuse, which is not an easy topic, especially when I'm line. a new comic. Yeah. Women come up to me afterward and say like, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Like I, it was nice to like hear somebody say it and I'm like, you could have laughed, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, I love this, but I'm too scared to laugh. I wonder if now, um, do you, I'm fine. Everybody that? just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> have you put anything on like any not specials but like have you been putting stuff on youtube of your own material and or do you want to no i think i'm i'm too early for that what i used to do when i when i first got back into it got serious was i would 
just on my like Instagram stories, throw up like a little clip of sure. that set. And I usually tried to just get like me thinking the crowd walking up stage. So it wasn't specifically a joke, but it was showing that I was on stage. Well, the reason but, I ask uh, is because I, I think that kind of material people might be not that you want to get into this habit a lot, but people might be more likely to laugh behind their TV or phone at something that's really crazy like that. And you don't want that to be the thing where you have the clean comedy and then and separating the dirty stuff because you're worried about whether people laugh. But I think there is something to that where through that medium, you can be a little more crazy because no one's worried about it. Yeah, I think one day I'll definitely have bits to put on. But right now, stage time on like actual stages is just coming back. So I'm definitely working on new stuff. And I think once I have like at least 10 minutes, I can like sacrifice a minute here or there to like put online to entice people. But at the moment, it's not worth the risk of cancel culture. I would rather just really hone my craft and make sure the first time people see me, I'm really, really good. Yeah, Um, makes sense. You don't want to you don't want to go too soon. You want to make sure it's exactly yeah. Because if I look like a year ago before the pandemic at my best bits, like now I'm just like, oh, that doesn't represent me anymore. I'm so much better than that. And also, I've improved those jokes, and that actually wasn't the way that, in the long run, I wanted to say that was just the best way I figured out at the time. So you know, but isn't that always? Are you ever going to get to a point where it's like, no, I'm perfect now? I wonder. No, but I do. Is there a time to, I did this with the podcast. I waited a year because I'm like, I decided to do it a year before I did it. And I'm like, well, am I going to do this? Am I going to call it this? Am I going to do this topic? Am I going to do that? How am I going to get guests? How am I going to, who gives a shit? Just, you're never, I'm never going to be happy with it. It's always going to be this like building it up kind of thing. And I kind of feel the same way about you. It's like, yeah, but this was how I felt at the time. So it captures that and it's fine. And if more people are seeing you, then that's not a bad thing. Well, I think what social media is really useful for for up and coming comics is like finding a voice outside of stage that's more like hmm. one-on-one with whoever's tuning in for you. Sure. Um, and that way, if they want to come see you, you're also not like taking away, you know, a 10th of your act if you're only doing, you know, 10 minutes and you're giving sure. one minute. So it is a balancing game, but there was a comic, there is a comic who uh, about like a year and a half ago, like the winter before COVID had he is a very inappropriate <laughs> offensive internet troll of a comic and he had put out some really offensive jokes about like mothers and abortions and you know just light stuff and recording some... this on mother's day by the way perfect <laughs> <laughs> but some like mothers like facebook groups got together some someone pulled it out from months before they put it on their discussion boards or whatever and they all came for him and started because what we do as comics is post a picture of ourselves and say, we're going to be here at this right. time. Come buy tickets or see us. Sure. And they started getting a hold of the club owners in San Diego, even though they weren't in San Diego. And he was like trying to tour, you know, he's got family outside. I'm not going to give too much information sure. away. Yeah, from yeah. Him. He had like a, a couple like out of state dates that they also got a hold of. And the owner had to be like, well, we can't book you because you are not worth this yet because you weren't you know like yeah so but, you, you it is a balancing game but part of me goes well that's fucking hilarious i mean if it happened to me i would definitely be mad and it's impacting yeah. my bottom line and my ability to do my job so i'm mad about it don't get me wrong but the other part of me is like this whole situation is so funny that i made a joke 
that was good enough to get so many people riled up. All these moms came out and tried to get me off the thing. It's to me, it's just, I would make a YouTube video about that and then it would be funnier. And then it's just like never stops. But I guess it's at some point, it's not worth the trouble. It's like game theory. You just, you have to try and predict what the other person's going to do. So you can try and predict what you were going to do based on their react. It's, you know, that's it's just so, the game. That's hard. And at the end of the day, I just want to be happy and I just want to have fun on stage. That's at least for me. Totally. And I want people to have fun. So, you know, I like to be offensive. I just don't want to, like, it's not worth ruining what I've built yeah. or affecting my friends or clubs. I start to think about that kind of stuff now that I'm recording myself. And then I go, eh, it's fine. Just like, as long <laughs> as I'm being myself, then this is what I was trying to put out there. So yeah. I don't know, you'll, you'll get your audience regardless. And the people that don't like you, they're just not going to like you. It's okay. You're not I know. I will say there's a lot of freedom on stage because I do say like offensive words on stage and I sure. do like to poke fun at people and, you know, on stage, I have a lot more freedom, but when it comes to like putting a little capsule piece of content online that people can like archive and look at mm. later, it just makes you worry too much. It's not worth it. A little bit, but I started, um, during the pandemic, I started doing like a, a video podcast just with some of my friends. So that, that seemed to work where we just like bullshit for a couple hours. And then I just only grab out of context clips and put those together. <laughs> like that. I loved it. I watched the one you sent me. And I was like, that's my wild friend, Andrew. <laughs> He's so nuts. He is nuts, but funny. And also it was very authentic, which I liked. And what you're saying is funny because it was not a normal podcast. It was, I'll put the link in the description so people should watch it, but. Oh, thank you. It was very cut up and produced to speed to the funny parts or the silly parts or whatever. And yeah. I, I loved that. It was very different to me. I also loved how. I want to do video for this podcast eventually, but I just haven't gotten there and I don't know anything about it. So if anyone does help me, but you should get TJ. Yeah, I know. We've been talking about a bunch of things. I'm putting like a super squad. You guys are great bantering to each other, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, he's the best. I have listened. If anyone else is just tuning in, catch up. I'm up yeah, to date on the link. For real. I know you're the best. Once you said that, I was like, well, now you have to have her on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the video part of yours was cool because... In my head, I worry about, well, I'm going to need three cameras. I'm going to need a wide shot of both of us. I'm going to need a close-up on either of us. I don't know how to video edit. I couldn't even tell you how to plug in the camera, let alone how to switch between them or whatever. And you baked that in to what it was. It had this like grainy look on purpose and it's just a wide shot of the two of you. And you did the like fast forward thing and you kind of baked it all into what it's supposed to look like anyway. So you skip all the worries about whether it looks great. I thought that was cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, that particular episode. So last summer it got very, very hot. And so that was a day in September where it was over 100 degrees and we don't have air conditioning or anything here uh, because once upon a time, we kind of didn't need to until, you know, climate change. Yeah. So real, it gets very hot here now. So I've been here almost 10 years and every summer is worse than the previous summer. Yikes. I mean, it's noticeable anyway. So that was a day where it was very hot and I had asked Andrew to come over and do this podcast. It was noon. So it was right when the heat was really coming in strong yeah. and we were sweating the entire time. I had to have all my windows and doors open just to get some kind of breeze in. But of course, like he's, you know, being Andrew crazy and 
I just kept telling him like, Hey, we just moved in here a couple months ago. Like, I don't know all my neighbors. Like, let's, I don't want to get it, kicked out. It like, played let's... so well though, because it became the thing that I love the podcast him. was about that episode. Yeah. Like, it, it seemed annoying probably before, or for me, I would have been worrying about it before I hit the record button constantly. Like, are you okay? Are you fine? Is it good? And then once the cameras roll, you realize, oh, this is the, why it's funny. Just let it be this because it's a silly situation yeah. that you just happen to be filming. And yeah, he's, yeah, like he's one of my favorite people to like play off of, I think, cause he's so ridiculous. And I went, because when he's so ridiculous, I can kind of like calm down and be like the straight man of the sure. two of us. So it's really fun. I have a couple more in the bank that I just haven't had time to edit yet, but I love that podcast is so fun to do. Totally. Yeah. I just love that. I get a chance to talk to people. I feel like when you turn the mics on, the BS kind of goes away and you skip past like, I mean, we haven't spoken to each other in 10 years, but you fall into the pocket. Who gives a shit? Cause you know, everyone's listening yeah. and you got to get past the, if there is any awkwardness, which there isn't between us, which I love, it doesn't matter. You got to skip past it and just be yourself. So that's what I've enjoyed most about doing this. And I enjoyed it about yours is you can tell that you're just being you and it just happens to be filmed. No one's oh, putting thanks. on anything, but it was really funny. So definitely check that out. This isn't a question, but it's a silly story. I've never done stand-up, uh, nor will I probably, but I am in a fantasy football league. And uh, Same thing. the loser has to do stand-up comedy. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. Do I know the other people in, in your, what, you what is it called? Know. The draft, the pool? <laughs> league. I don't know. League. Sports? I don't know. <laughs> I do like pools. They're wet. Um, but <laughs> they made, we put in this rule at some point that uh, we needed a punishment for last place and none of us are comedians. And uh, yeah, so one, the loser every year has to go do an open mic set for five minutes. Um, That's amazing. And this year I didn't lose, but I was in the last place game. And so I've been, I was writing jokes for three months because I'm like, well, just I'm in case, it, yeah, I'm going to do it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I had this thing where I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to lose. So I better get okay with doing this thing. And then I won and I was kind of like, ah, oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. But it has, it's a really funny rule that has allowed us to see our friends have to do this. And you get a laugh or two because we're all there. So it doesn't matter. There's 12 of us that you're going to get a laugh from anyway. You're not going to bomb horribly. Yeah. And even if you do, it's, that's part of it. So who cares? So anyway, stay tuned if I'm terrible at fantasy football next year, I guess. <laughs> for my oh my god so you'll have to record that if i ever have to do it i definitely will record it because i have no shame clearly but in my phone somewhere there's some unworked bits one about like uh how jesus christ is secretly a high-powered agent for high-profile athletes because every time they get off the field and the camera's in their face and the spotlight is on and we just won the championship i'd like to thank jesus christ and he's just a PR machine. Jesus is getting all the good PR always. Never anything bad about him in sports. All his athletes got his back and he's making bank, baby. He's selling merch. So yeah, that's where that would have That's went. it. Yeah. You know what? He's, he's... <laughs> <laughs> Do my, it. my brain is immediately <laughs> so inappropriate. I love it. I'm like, we've probably, okay, possibly cut this out. But my brain went to like, oh yeah, he's probably just like a short Jewish guy being like, that's a good pen name. Okay. Jesus Christ. Like, Precisely. no, just yeah. best agent in Hollywood, obviously. That. That is probably the, the finish of that bit is that he's a Jewish guy. Yeah. Because in reality, he is. <laughs> I know. I'm not cutting it, by the way. Hilarious. So good. Oh, uh, KDO Comedy, <laughs> if you want to follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Definitely do that. I wanted to 
talk about your favorite comedians quickly and specials and or bits. I told you to put a list together. Yeah, I. Oh my I, god. I know. So I what I'm showing Mike on the Zoom is um, I just jotted down a couple names just so that I had them like a ready. Names. The biggest. Because I most- don't like to improvise. I I know I like to be prepared. So I put down a list and I just kept thinking of comics and names and everything like that. So not only is that a I list, have a whole list for you. Uh, who who is the I'm um, drawing a Pablo Francisco? Is he the guy that did the drawings or is Dimitri Martin actually? Oh, Dimitri Martin, yeah. Dimitri Martin. Had the big whiteboard. Yeah, it looks like that's what you just lifted up with a whole bunch of that's oh, so, yeah. <laughs> a nice yellow notepad and uh I also no, take a crazy amount of notes, so I'm proud of you and I acknowledge that I've found <laughs> another weirdo in the world who does something similar to me. I got to tell you I so I I'm a producer, um I work in social media and I'm I love my job so much, but for this pitch that we were working on, I was just trying to figure out a way to like connect a couple dots and behind me are like sliding closet doors yeah. and I just took index cards last week and I just put them all up. Looks like, like you're trying to track a meme serial of, killer. of yeah, like like that meme of Charlie Day finding Pepe, <laughs> Pepe like you know, yeah, it was nuts. And my so I went on Zoom later to like have a normal meeting, and my boss was like, "What is behind you?" And I was like, "Oh, this is my brain." Uh, yeah, hilarious. no, it's fine. Pepe is there. Yeah, I love it. Uh, before we get into the specific ones, I wrote down five, but you've already put me to shame. How often do you watch other comedy, and how often did you watch other comedy before doing this? And do you ever worry that you're gonna lose your own voice because you're trying to do another person's thing subconsciously or consciously yeah so before i i've been a big stand-up fan my entire life and it was just something like if i just wanted something in the background just throw a stand-up on i'm also like a big like tv sitcom fan i love it's always sunny and any sort of ridiculous things where it looks like a group of friends Mm. ended up making it like the office a lot of the people in the office ended up being producers and writers you know parks and rec it's the whole gamut of like TV sitcom. So I love comedy, but right now I, I watch a lot of, lot of comedy live and I watch a lot of stand-up specials online ever since I was happily hired at this company um, in November is when I started. And they, everyone is like a young millennial who I work with and they're very into comedy and they were so excited that I did comedy that they always asked me who I would recommend. So since mid-January I've been doing like a weekly recommendation to my coworkers with like wow. a little bio about the comic and a clip of their set and where to find it and so I think I'm going to start putting that out on one of my many many Instagram accounts yes um but I love I love it so I I once a week I'll I'll look up a special that I either love and haven't watched in a while or haven't seen yet and try and see if it's like worth recommending to everybody I love that I love that you should do more of that because I'm always interested in recommendations and finding new things and who knows how anyone else that doesn't obsess over comedy like the two of us how does anyone choose yeah. which one to watch I don't it's crazy how that works but have you ever watched someone and and then clocked to yourself oh I'm trying to do their thing a little bit yeah especially when I was first starting out because I what I think a lot of comics do is that they don't know what their voice is. So they basically like try on different outfits. Totally. It is kind of a lot like high school where you like try on different things and sometimes they don't work and you don't want to admit that they don't work because you tried and all this stuff. I but... still have never admitted that it doesn't work. I just blast through it and wear it anyway. <laughs> uh, no, anyone who remembers me from high school, I definitely tried a lot that didn't work, but it's fine. It's fine. It's worked. It's got uh, you here. That's that's is where no, you're supposed I'm, to be. I'm just jeans and a t-shirt from now on out. It's fine. Um, Gray sweatshirt though. You need it. 
Yeah. Thank you. But I do, what I do now is I look to a lot of uh, feature acts and like headliners that I get to see live. I look more to see how they handle situations. There's this amazing female comic. I shouldn't say female, but she's an amazing comic. Um, Her name is Monterey Martinez. She's so funny. She's so dark. And because I like to do that sort of material, it was really interesting to see how she would get the crowd into it when she went really, really dark or how she kept the crowd with her. So that sort of stuff is what I look for now to try and emulate um, just as like pointers. And I did catch myself the weekend after she was at the club. I did catch myself like do a phrase that she did to pull the crowd back with her. So I, I made note of it and it's definitely something where I don't want to copy, but it is useful to see like, oh, if she just, you know, leans this way into like her personality, it can pull them back. So that stuff is more of what I look to emulate now. I I think it's natural. Uh, Everyone must do that. And also even the most famous people must do it. You just don't notice because their their stuff's so tight and they've been doing it for so long that they can fall back into their own voice. But I would imagine it's, I don't think that's a big deal to me unless you're straight up doing someone else's act. Yeah, it's the other thing that comes up a lot is cadence. There are two comics who started or who like at some point of their early comedy career were together a lot, not Mm. like dating, but they were performing a lot in the same scene. And one is Taylor Tomlinson, Mm -hmm. um, who has Quarter Life Crisis on Netflix, who I just photographed a couple weeks ago too at a show. Super cool. She's awesome. Yeah, her new materials, her new material was so good. And then the other comic is Zoltan Kazaz, who is a San Diego comic who was I mean, he's based in San Diego, but he was touring before COVID and he does have a special, I believe he ended up putting it out on YouTube called Modern Man. They have a similar cadence to the way they deliver jokes. Mm. And somebody pointed out to me that they both like were around each other in like the same type of scene. And after seeing that, I was like, oh, I can see how if you're together with somebody, not again, not dating, but if you're around somebody a lot, it could meld the two and that's honestly, when when I started comedy, it's the, the number one rule I had was I don't want to date anybody. I don't want to be with anybody because this may be tangential, but a lot of female comics find a person that they can relate to who doesn't mm. mind that they're joking around all the time sure. in other comics and they start dating another comic almost immediately. Yeah, Not everybody, but I do see it frequently enough. And then they're usually dating somebody who's a little bit more experienced or more senior in the scene than they are and then their jokes start sounding like the guy's jokes and then they're known as his girlfriend and it's this yeah. whole thing and but isn't that but the dating isn't the problem the second part is the problem don't do the don't do that part i think it might be subconscious sometimes yeah because they are just like you know they like each other they want to be around each other they obviously like each other's comedy because yeah. in no way are you going to date somebody whose comedy you don't like it that's just <coughs> not going to happen no it's impossible. But, I, I couldn't date anyone that's not funny or doesn't have a sense of humor at all. Yeah. So that totally tracks. But also, it's totally natural to date people that you're around all the time and hanging out with. It's the same as people that work together in any other field end up dating each other, too. Um, yeah. I think the, the only thing that comes out of that in comedy, though, is if you start sounding too similar. Like, if you're not aware enough to keep your own voice, Yeah. it muddies up what, what you can do and how people view you and yeah, I guess you know, when you're working in an office, tricky. when you're working in an office, it's like if we dial up the TPS reports the same way, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. But if we're doing comedy, it's like, yeah, I hear that. I did notice your cadence being similar to one other comedian. Oh, and, tell me. Uh, this will be my first comedian on my list of five that I absolutely love. 
and I don't know. If oh yeah, I want to hear all. Your, I want to hear all your list. Yeah, it's Sarah Silverman. Oh my, what a compliment! Thank you so much. She You're is welcome. so funny. She's amazing. Um, I'm such a fan of Sarah Silverman. Me too. So I'm I'm really happy you said that. Yeah, That's such a compliment. I, it, See, everybody, I am funny. <laughs> she is. It's true. <laughs> I found that you sometimes got the laughs out of the silent parts, if that makes sense. The beats between the words and the jokes, which is yeah, awesome and different. And it has to be this. That's why I mentioned Cadence so much, because it has to be this slow thing. If you burn through it and don't give time for the room to understand what's going on, it doesn't work. So, I actually learned yeah, that like from that. listening to Tig Nataro, who is a great stand-up Good comic. Thing. If anyone doesn't know Tig, she's got a couple of documents. She's got a documentary, I think on Netflix and on HBO about who she is and like the crazy year she had before she like broke through really and like good. became... Yeah, it's amazing. But she had said somewhere in some interview that if you just breathe between the jokes you give like people will continue to be a part of the joke which means the laughter might continue if you just give them the time instead of stepping over them and getting to it so after hearing that it, it was definitely something where i i have to remember like just give them a chance maybe it takes a second for them to get it you know it's gotta maybe be they, so scary they also have old moms you know i don't know <laughs> they might need a second <laughs> it's gotta be so scary though because in that moment they all the joke might have also not hit you might have just bombed that joke. And then you're giving yeah. pause for people to realize, oh, that one wasn't great. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where you go, no? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Also, Tig Notaro has a cool movie coming out that she's going to be in. Oh, she's in some action movie. Yeah, she replaced Chris D'Elia, which is hilarious. Oh, that's what happened? Oh yes. my God, amazing. He was supposed to be in the movie. It's with Dave Bautista. She's going to be so like much better at it. She's, yeah. I'm, yeah. So good. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, it makes me laugh that he was supposed to be in and then they were like, let's get her. Which, like casting wise, what? But also she's so funny that it's going to be awesome. Yeah, same haircut. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Sarah Silverman, the Jesus is Magic special, but she's always a killer. I love her on anything. But that Jesus is Magic special where she got really super dark, like racist. But she said the N word, but actually said it in that special. And yeah. that's one of my favorite bits, actually, because we're joking. She's making light of the whole thing she's not a racist and who it just proved to me that like it's you can do anything and make it work as long as the cool intentions you're like right. you're like you're like oh you're like sarah silverman remember when she was racist and that really good part I'm like <laughs> for the record i don't do that stuff i don't so thank act. you but it's not racist is the point i'm making you know i know you're joking but also yeah, yeah. people need to understand like the the joke it's a joke if yeah you i know jokes works. are my favorite relax but that's why I love that because it plays on that whole thing. It's like, she doesn't give a fuck. She knows that it's funny and is confident enough to yeah. do that, to get to that point. Cause I'm sure there's a version of that joke in the beginning where she didn't go all the way in and it probably didn't work as well. And then one day yeah, she and you, you just have to put the shield up rip. and be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I love her big time. Let's go back and forth. You give me one. Colin Quinn, one of my favorites of all times. Every time someone, I don't know if I have a favorite comic, but whenever somebody is like top three, top five, Colin mm -hmm. Quinn's always the first one I say. So he might be my favorite comic. That show Colin was awesome Quinn that he had, by the way. The, what was it called? Um, the show where he had all the comedians on. For anyone who, who hasn't watched Colin Quinn, especially New York people, go watch the New York story on Netflix. It's amazing. He does, Colin Quinn does like one man shows that are so funny and slightly educational. Not slightly, educational at the same time. 
He's very like so historical. One of the one of the yeah. specials that he does is all about history, which I love that one. He's got two that are about history. So, and, well, technically all three are. The New York story goes through the different ethnic groups that migrated to New York and how it formed the New York personality. He's got Red State, Blue State, which is about the political system. And then he's got Unconstitutional, which goes through the amendments and what the Constitution was written for and about and how it's reflected today. Amazing. But he recently just put out one on HBO called Colin Quinn and Friends, a parking lot comedy show. And it has 10 comics on it. It encapsulates what comedy was like in 2020 so perfectly, at least for my experience. So anyone wants to know what it was like, go watch that special. it not only shows you how weird it is to ask for people to honk at you. Like my mom was wrong this whole time. I do like when people <laughs> honk at me, like yes. the flashing lights is a weird way to applause uh, being outside, but it also captures a lot of the behind the scenes of when somebody's on stage, the banter that happens between the comics that are like talking shit about the person on stage or being like, Oh shit, that he made, he, you know, that, that popped totally. or whatever. So if you want to, if you're like a real comedy fan and a fan of comedians, that's a great special because you also get a taste of a lot of other comics that you might not know, like Dan Soder's on there. I'm a um, huge fan of his. He was, I like, saw him a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, him and Annie Letterman came through to the club I now also photograph great. at. I wish she had a special out. Yeah. By the way, tough crowd with Colin Quinn is what I was trying to get across. Tough crowd. Yes. Oh my God. Really good. Yeah. Thank you for looking that up. Sure. But anyway, yeah. Her new Annie Letterman's new podcast, Bloodbath with Kalila yeah. from Tiger Belly and Esther Pavitsky is really funny. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Esther and Annie are such a good, like, foils, best friend dynamic. I feel like every group of every set of like two friends has that dynamic where one of them is like really sweet and the other one's like, I'm going to fucking gr- drag you and we're going to go do this right now. They're like, like it is such like a good contrast. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in twins. That's yeah, what they're like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and Dan Soder is I learned of Dan Soder because he was in Billions on Showtime. He still is in that and he's really funny in it. And but he's playing the uh everyone's a straight man in that show. It's a finance show. Yeah. But he stands out so much. And I was like, who is this guy? And so I went out back. The Bonfire is a really funny podcast that he has with Big J Okerson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan Soder's awesome. I'm stepping on all your lists, but I am a fan. No, no, this is great. Oh my god, we if you listen, I can I can feel that this can go on forever. Like, please, if you want to have me back at any point, we could just go through comedy shows. We're gone and uh, everything. Totally, Um, do it again. Um, But if you want to know a good a good show, well, only the first season was good with a couple comics who were like actually acting. I'm dying up here, which was on Showtime. Which was so uh, produced by Jim Carrey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was it was so good, and Andrew Santino's in it. Big and fan. I, it was one of those things where I saw him. I was like, oh yeah, he's funny, he's funny. And um, when I saw him in that show, I was like, fuck, and he's a good actor. God damn it! Like, Do you watch just... Dave on FX? No. With the rapper Little Dicky. No, I don't. Man, there's Santino's so much good content Kobe, out there. Basically. Santino is hilarious in that. I'm a huge fan of his. Bad Friends. One of my favorite podcasts with Bobby uh, It's so good. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So it there's there's so much good comedy content out in the world. It's so hard it's to insane. keep up with all of it. I know. But the first ep- I only recently got into Bad Friends. Too good. And 
the first episode I watched, if for anyone who doesn't know, Andrew Santino is the ginger comic and he is co-host with Bobby Lee, who is, I think, Korean. Korean. Um, yeah. And it opened with Andrew asking Bobby if there was any direct translation to Ching Chong. <laughs> which was so fucking yeah. funny. They, they have the perfect <laughs> dynamic of making fun of each other, but you know that the intentions are good. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. And then uh, we're going to go all over the place, but now we're recommending podcasts to each other, which is so yeah. <laughs> exceptiony for everyone listening, but whatever. Um, last week, when this comes out, this will be episode 13. and episode Solid, 12. good number. Yeah, yeah, super lucky for you. Congrats. When this will come out, 12 will have already been out. And that is with Tom Bates, who is an animator for one of my favorite podcasts, Take Your Shoes Off with Rick Glassman. Oh, um, I've never even heard that one. Let me write that down. Write it down. It's my favorite podcast for sure. He is hilarious. I think you'll like him. Very silly, but very, very good. So Tom was nice enough to come on and he did the animations for that podcast because it's on YouTube and it's very visual. And I already did a whole episode on this, so I don't want to keep talking about it. But I do want to get to the other ones on my list. Yeah. I love them so much. Yeah. Who's next? This is my top one. I started in the middle because... Sarah Silverman came up, but uh, Dave Chappelle, Killing oh, Him Softly, yeah. I, is the best I mean, special I've ever seen. A living legend. All of his specials I love for all different reasons. I don't think any of them yeah. missed, but his that first one and the bit about him shaving his balls when he goes, I don't want to do the bit, go watch it. It's on Netflix, I think, but his one of his balls like come out of his shorts. Some woman is like, oh my God, these balls are as smooth as eggs. And I just... <laughs> I will never not crack up. It's the perfect, it's my favorite bit that I've ever seen on anything. So definitely check it out. But that whole special yeah. is, uh, and he's still unbelievable, don't get me wrong. But now it's more of a calloused look at the world and creating it around that. And he had a, a little bit of a different vibe back when he was younger. And it's just unbelievable. I just die laughing. Yeah, I just, um, so like I was saying, I recommend a comedy special to my coworkers every week. And this week I recommended uh, The Age of Spin on Netflix, mm -hmm. which was 2017 when he came back from his hiatus. And ever since he basically puts out these comedy specials and a lot of times they're like a two episode special, which yes. means he's putting out like twice the content because mm -hmm. he is just so sharp and smart and clever. And he just like has it for comedy but yeah the age of spin's really good I, it's under just his name on netflix when you look at the title card it just says dave chappelle but man it was so hard i was like i should really recommend a chappelle special and i it was between that and sticks and stones and so they're, diff funny. they're just i didn't mean to like disparage his new stuff i love it so much but no, they're no. different almost different people it's like this is a hundred percent experiences yeah. he went through created a new comedian almost built off the back of the old one. a thousand percent yeah and a lot of muscle yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, um, like... yeah, he's just the king. I mean, if I could ever have a conversation with him, my life would be like, well, at least I talked to Dave Chappelle once. It's good. He's just- 100%. We are, we're going to look at him the same way we look at like prior Carlin, all those like More. iconic- You know why? Because he, why? he's not doing comedy some of the time now. He's he's him. He's just being him. Yeah, he, he does have a profound. Way. Yeah, but he's able to just be Dave Chappelle. It's a show. If I'm yeah. going to see Dave Chappelle, I don't know what I'm going to get, but I know that I'm going to love it. And I will laugh because he's hilarious. 
but I'll also yeah. think, and I'll, it, it, there's just more to the equation with him than there are with a lot of people. I agree. Yeah. He is. I, if, if you're just getting into comedy, that is one of the number one people that you need to consume as far yeah, as like, but then you'll be spoiled getting to know. No, then Nobody, you have, then you have a good bar. So when I started doing comedy, I had just been basically open micing before the pandemic. You can do, you know, an op- you can go every single night of the week to an open mic. And usually on good days, you can hit like four, four open mics a night. Sometimes there's only like two or three, but you could do so much comedy out here. And I was just around so many people working on stuff that at some point, somebody above me said, when was the last time you saw good comedy? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? Like that person did great. And he's like, no, no, you should go just every now and then remind yourself what you should look forward to. You should go and remind yourself what good comedy is to like keep your sights clear. And uh, I was like, okay, that sounds good. And it does make a difference to, to remind yourself what it could be, should be, is at its best. So definitely like start with Chappelle, start it up top. It's good advice, but it's also like, if you just got off stage and someone that said that to you, you're like, really? My coworker, one of my coworkers came to see me this weekend and it was on a show where the crowd was really tough, but I, mm. I broke them and I was like proud awesome. of it. And, um, I, I did great. And after the show, I came up to them. Oh, thank you so much for coming out. Really appreciate it. And, you know, it, I've only been remote working this whole time. So it was the first oh. time I met him in person and he was like, yeah, no, that was good. Um, don't quit your day job. And I was <laughs> like, Oh, you, was, why don't you get up on stage? Was he trying to be funny? I think so, but he was wearing his mask. So it's so hard to tell when like non-comics also, try and be funny. Also, you need bad joke. I know. What do you want me to do with that? I know. Listen, he works in accounting. So I'm going to give him like, that was a B plus. Because as a comic, I was like, oh, that is kind of funny to tell somebody after they got off stage. You've probably but. done it 14 times already throughout this. But how do you as a comedian act when someone tries to be funny and it's like, eh. Do you just give them like a, huh? I, I'm usually pretty clear when they're not funny. I don't laugh. I don't, especially like in open mic settings where like you do get a lot of bad comedy when yeah. people, when the audience laughs at something bad, I'll just be like, no, no, you guys are better than that. That's not okay. That is a dumb, dumb joke. No. But if it's like one-on-one, it, it is kind of hard. Cause I do like my job. I love my job. I work with great people. And sometimes sure. like they try and like offer me bits which is something that's happened for a while. Like anytime I tell someone I'm a comic, which I'm a proud, I'm proud of, they usually go like, Oh, I got something for you. And um, if they're directly giving me a a bit, I go, you know what? That sounds like a you thing. And I, you should come to open mic and you should do that because that sounds like, sounds like a you thing. I, you know, I'm actually already working on something, but you should come to open mic and you should try and see if that works. So politically correct. It, it just well, you know, diffusing the situation <laughs> and getting out of there, the Homer backing into the bush gif, basically. Yeah. Well, like, when I first started, I would just be like, that sucks. No, that's stupid. And then right. people would try and defend it. And then I would have to be on the defense of my side of it. And it's just like, I don't want to talk to you. You're not funny. Like, Speaking of talking to non-comedians, I almost started the podcast, but we haven't spoken to each other in 10 years. So I figured this was too much, but I was almost like, so you're a comedian. Be funny. Tell us a joke. Oh but my God. I hate that. Be, that's the worst. Of course. I would be joking, funny but- is the worst. What, I mean, what do people think when they say that? What are you, what are you, you're already, I don't need your time here. I'm out of this conversation yeah. just because you asked, just, I'm just turning on the other way. What are you saying? When somebody tells me be funny, that tells me, oh, this person isn't interesting and can't entertain themselves. So they need a babysitter. That's, that's the impression even... I get. So then, so then I have to like, look at them. I was like, oh, you, you just need a babysitter. You're not a mature adult or like, 
obviously I get kind of catty in my brain about it because I'm like, fuck them. That's so dumb. Like, it but- is dumb. It's like you don't even understand what I do, obviously. I write. Yeah. The jokes are written down. They're jokes. We, I, it's not improv. You you want to hear the craziest thing? So the, here here's a wild analogy. When I first moved out to San Diego, I was so excited to be like in San Diego in the sun. And the only place I got hired was an ice skating rink. So I worked awesome. like in the cold all day, which Hilarious. was so annoying. I moved out here and I was like, That's I could see palm trees outside and I have to be <laughs> in here and it's fucking freezing. Have you done that um, on stage? Because you should. No, no. It's so I haven't, uh, you know, just working through the relationship stuff first. Sure. Um, but the amount of people who would come to the ice skating rink and not be wearing shorts and tank tops and comments, you know, when they, when I, they were coming in to get tickets or like skates or something, sure. they'd be like, wow, it's so cold in here. Why is it so cold? Like they just didn't understand that. Like that's ice. Like the first word of ice skating is ice. Like Jesus. we, that can't melt. You know, people it's, are really not smart. It was wild that the comprehension didn't go as far as, of course, it's going to be cold. It's ice. And it's the same thing with a lot of comedy. I'm surprised how many people come up to me and go like, that's so like, did you just write that? Like they think it's like conversation, which means I performed it well. Of course. So that is, that is the compliment I will take out of it, but it is surprising the amount of people who don't know that this is like a practice skill with a lot of writing that goes on and a lot of scrapping ideas. And I'm learning through doing the same thing that you can prepare enough to make it sound like it's not prepared. Yeah. Unless you're actually doing improv. None of it's improv. This we have done this fifth joke. Improv sucks. (laughs) <laughs> sure. I can't even imagine the, the fact that they can get laughs out of that is wild. Hold yeah. Up, but they are two different things and people think they're the same. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just think general entertainment. I, I wonder if some of it also has to do with the fact that like so easily you could just open your phone and just go to Netflix or YouTube or HBO or Peacock or any of these new streaming services and you just click and you go entertain me, bitch, like click. And that's how you get entertainment now. Look at TikTok, scroll, scroll, scroll. So I'm wondering if maybe some of that is transferring over to like the real world where people go like click, be funny. And they don't realize that like, yeah, you have to be on the same page and connected for that to really work. But it goes back to the thing where if nine people don't feel that way in the crowd and one person does, you're the joke. I'm making the joke out yeah. of you now. And I just made the nine other people laugh. So thank you. I want to keep going on these specials. Give me another one that you like or a comedian or something. Oh, my goodness. There's so many. There um, are, I, I love know. Mark Marin. Mark Marin's great. Mark Marin, and if you like Mark Marin, you're going to like Dan Soder. If you like Dan Soder, you're going to like Mark Marin. Totally. The only difference is age and the amount that they're jaded. That's it. Do you see Mark is an old dog? Dan is Soder a young turning dog. Turning into Mark Marin. Well, the thing I love about Dan Soder is he's got like this puppy quality to him, where sure. he like giggles a lot on stage, and he's like, yeah. like it's very lighthearted version. It's like he's of part of his own things. audience. Which is endearing. Yeah, he. Um, both of them have this this way of articulating inner panic and inner mm. thought, and that to me is so funny because it's something that I experience a lot of. But I love uh, if you want to get into Mark Marin, Thinky Pain is really funny, and so is End Times. I have a End really good segue. Uh, do you listen to his podcast, WTF? Yes, I can't keep up with every episode, but Insane. I do check regularly to see if see who's on i think his most recent one or one of the most recent ones depends when this comes out who knows but he had mark norman on and uh oh yeah i haven't heard that one yet he is on my list because probably 
I mean, I said Chappelle is my favorite comedian, but he's in deity territory. As for human comedians, Mark Normand is definitely. Uh, you really are a comedy fan. Yeah, I am. That's sure. awesome. I, you know, a lot of people say that, and a lot of people can't name these like up and comers, and you, you know them. That's awesome. Mark Normand is. I mean, I don't even consider him an up and comer because I've been following for a while. Uh, but Pete, you're right. He's not a household name. But he has yeah, a special, yeah, not he has a yeah, not top tier yet. Called Out to Lunch, which everyone should find because yes. Fun. It's super good. And he, like I said, he was just on with uh, Mark Marin, And that was a cool episode of the podcast to see those two together because they're so different. Mark Normand is a very quippy joke writer. He, he writes jokes, which sounds yeah, silly. He and- a comedian writes jokes, but he's not a storyteller. He's a, he tells quick jokes. They're good. Yeah. He also, his intonation always ends on an up note. Huh? Like that's how Comedy. every bit of it yeah comedy and i want to say like the fall before the pandemic a bunch of us went to the comedy store in la jolla and saw him oh i'm jealous like meet him after which was awesome i his joke per minute ratio is so because he is he speaks quickly and his jokes are short so like the density that you're gonna laugh is so good it almost seems wrong it's like how you can't just hit 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 how do you do it yeah um he reminds me of and they're not the same but cut from this same cloth another person on my list is Mitch Hedberg who yes those two aren't the same but they have this thing about them where they might hit you with 50 jokes in a set whereas some other people do four or five yeah it's not better or worse but I love it it just keep the hits keep coming to the point where if you miss one it's fine you got 49 other ones yeah I there's some there's so many people on my list but you know who also has a really really strong joke per minute ratio um Ali Wong Yes. I mean, she is so strong as the comic and she it she can do stories and she makes like at the end of like every sentence a punchline. So like you're Crazy. laughing through the stories, which is awesome. And you know she's I'm sorry. It is a feat that she is pregnant doing this because oh, yeah. you are tired and your mental energy is being taken up by creating a human. And it's actually genius because she as a high level comedian knew that that would play in that direction. I'm sure she knew. Yeah. She wrote the special around the fact that she's going to be feeling this way. And the audience knows that she's going to be feeling this way because she is visibly pregnant. And it yeah. all just works. It's like ba- all baked in. There is, um, so she, for anyone who doesn't know, Ali Wong did two Netflix specials, one called Baby Cobra, one called Hard Knock Wife, um, both pregnant. And I tried to look this up a couple of weeks ago and I couldn't find the female comic who did it. But recently there has been a couple more female comics who awesome. have been performing pregnant. And one of them came out and opened her stage time or interview with. So I'm a fan of Ali Wong, mm. which I thought was so funny. And I wish I remembered who it was. It was either, I thought it was Amy Schumer because she did growing, sure. but it wasn't her. And so it might've either been Natasha Legero or- Christina P. I can't find who it was, but yeah. Hilarious because that's an inside comedy joke. And yeah. if you get it, it's ultimately hilarious. And if you don't get it, it's fine. doesn't offend anybody. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Speaking of storytellers, Tom Segura, mostly stories on Netflix. Amazing. Yeah. You yeah. mentioned Christina P. My segues are just laser tight today, which is No, so. it's good. But yeah, he is unbelievable the bikes bit the god don't make no junk bit yeah <laughs> i mean that i mean guy. he is so funny he um you know he's doing shows in spanish i saw now that too which is amazing how does it really I, does i can't even believe 
that anyone could do it one way, let alone, yeah. I know he's spoken Spanish his whole life, but it's not the same thing. And it's just no, so it's, like- No, it's learning how to maneuver a new language. It's so brave. It's just so yeah. crazy to even think about trying to redo it. Again, it's like Chappelle. It's like, you're a new comedian now. This is a different, you're creating this alternate thing. Yeah. Also, right. you have to know a different culture because a lot of the things that we're able to joke about in English in America, like we don't need- to think about the context it's coming from because we've all either experienced it, understand it. It's part of like the cultural fabric of where we came from. So if you're then doing like another language, that's like a whole nother culture and set of material that like people will have ingrained in them. And you need to know like what the nuances are of that. It really is amazing. But it also has this thing to it, the same as the pregnancy thing. Both of them are unbelievably hard and impressive. And in no way am I taking anything away from that. But also <laughs> it adds to it because the audience knows yeah. Spanish is not your first language. So you can write the bits around the fact that you have this knowledge of the audience that you both can acknowledge before we even start. Yeah. Same thing with the pregnancy one. It doesn't work if you're not showing. So you can only do that. I'm a fan of Ali Wong joke for three months. <laughs> and then it yeah. doesn't work anymore. So I just love that dichotomy of like trying to understand and get on the same wavelength as the audience before you even tell a joke. And once you're in, you're in. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, speaking of pregnancy, there's a lot of like disability in comedy. <laughs> it's very cool to watch how like people maneuver. Like, you know, Josh Potter is almost blind. So watching him like work out material about being blind is very funny. Totally. But also there's this comic um, who I was lucky enough to open for last night called DJ Demers. And everyone should look out for him. He's been on Conan three times. He just released a special on YouTube called Interpreted. And he is um, not 100% deaf, but he does have hearing aids. I'm pretty sure if he takes them out, he is deaf. But mm. he is so funny as a comic. And like just he's able to like bring this world that you know i don't have any experience with and just it it's both relatable and funny and it just opens up all these lanes of like how people talk to each other it is nice that comedy is a place where like literally anyone has voice and all you have to do is work on it and like you can have a conversation so it's it's weird until I got into comedy. I don't think I had such a like big diverse group of friends, not just like that looked like me, but had experiences outside of mine and, you know, had different like things that just like are a part of their life and every day are so different than mine. And we're all friends and we're all on the same level. And it, it really is like this really nice safe space is the wrong word, but, no, it, but is, it is it is cool how much comedy can like include of everybody. I just I wish it was like more mainstream for everyone to see like how funny a variety of people are. But you know what? For the people that do appreciate it, they really appreciate it. So yeah. at least you have that. It's not a tight knit circle. There's a ton of people that like comedy. The people that do love it, love it like myself. And um, there's something cool about that. I want to close on a positive note because it feels like we're going for a while, but also have reached a cool moment. And I think what you just said is just a lesson. Again, we talked about it a little bit earlier of just like, you have to be who you are. Don't try to sound like another person. Just do your thing. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, they weren't going to like it anyway, because you're not funny. So yeah. So I just love that part of comedy where it's like, everyone is different. There are no two comedians that are the same at all. There might be similarities, 
but everyone has their own whole entire life experience to guide how these jokes were created. And uh, yeah, there's just something beautiful about that. Yeah. If you guys ever want something to do, please go see live comedy. Please support local live comedy. I will definitely plug my own stuff, but for all listening in New York, uh, we had a a comic who's from New York, who I met out in San Diego, has now moved back to New York. And he has this great comedy show called Street Talk, where it started over the pandemic. So it was outside. Um, But Street Talk has now been in Austin. It came to San Diego. The guy who created it is called Max Manikoff, but he puts on some killer shows out in New York. And I know that there's just like so much comedy and it is coming back. So please go see comedy. I mean, we need you. I need you. But like, it's it is a such a good thing to do for like your soul to just like go out and laugh for an hour and a half. Nobody's ever had a bad time at a comedy show. And if they do. Yes, they have. If they're just not good people, (laughs) then you weren't going to have a good time anyway. That person wasn't going to have a good time no matter what. If you can't have a good time, you won't have a good time anyway. I love it so much and I can't wait to go back. Uh, Plug anything that you want to because I want people to be able to see you and hear you and all that good stuff. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, So I have a million Instagram accounts. If you want to see like an overview of everything I'm doing, uh, you can go to It's Katie Orchard. I'll put the links in the description for anyone who wants to just click them and follow and do that. Yeah. Thank you. And then uh, for comedy, it's Katie O Comedy. If you want to see some photographs I do, it's Katie O Media. Just basically like search Katie Orchard in Instagram and like a bunch of options are going to come up for you. <laughs> but yeah, cooking I, I, is I, next. We're going to do cooking shows. Yeah, uh, somebody already has Katie O Cooks. I did look oh, into them, God. but I don't have time. <laughs> Once you get your first big special out there, you're going to buy that Instagram account and we're going to put this clip up. And I'm going to get famous because you're already famous. So it's perfect. Thanks so much. Yeah, this is so fun. You guys, <laughs> Super fun. I, I'm so happy that you invited me on. Thank you so much for like reconnecting. This is it great. Was, I had a really good time. We're definitely going to do it again. Tell Mike to bring games. me back. Yeah, I, I will. I, I rule the roost. You'll come back. Uh, maybe we'll base it around if a new special drops or something that we can talk about or go through the rest of the lists that we both made but didn't get to all of. Oh, I'd be happy to. I love talking comedy. We'll definitely do it again. I had a really good time. So thank you for coming. And Yeah, thank uh, you so much. Everyone go follow her and listen to her and go fly to San Diego and watch her do comedy because it's, COVID's almost over, baby. Let's get on planes. Let's do it. Hell yeah. Thank you for coming. Of course. Uh, that was good. What's not to like? Everyone loves to laugh. Katie's hilarious. Really cool talk about everything in-depth comedy. It was so up my alley. I hope it's up everyone's alley. And let me know. Give me some feedback in the comments or wherever. Text me. Do whatever you want to do. But I would love to have her back. I would love to talk more comedy. People that don't like to laugh are just psychopaths. I mean, what are you doing? So, yeah. Let me know what you want. And we'll do it again if everyone's interested. Definitely go follow her on all her Instagrams and everywhere and look out for her because uh, I really think she's going to do big things. She's really funny. So that just leaves us with one thing. If you've survived this long and listened all the way through, you gotta let us know. Start commenting these things on the social media account so everyone else feels left out and they don't know why. Because they deserve to feel left out if you didn't listen all the way through. Although I love you if you listened to all of it, but you won't hear this if you're the person I'm talking about. So whatever. And uh, of course... I'm talking about the secret code word for the full-time listeners, which this week will be dust. Gotta be dust. Post that. Everyone will be confused, but the people that know, they'll know. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it, and we'll see you again next week. Peace out.